1: Welcome to Let's Get Civical.
0: This is the podcast that breaks down politics, government structure, and dives into the context of current events, but in a super fun way.
1: I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian, feminist, and political junkie. And I'm Arden Walentowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist.
0: In this episode, we're talking about Marsha P. Johnson.
1: So grab your transgender rights. And let's get civical.
0: say hi. I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it. it. Don't you watch out because I'm gonna say hello. Okay, one, two, three. Hello. Hello. Hi, everyone. Guys, we're back. We're back. This is Let's Get Civical. I'm Lizzie Stewart. And I'm Arden Walentowski. And today, you guys, you're gonna freak. Today, we have a guest... I mean, I wouldn't even say you're like a guest. We have a member of the family on the
1: show. Yeah, additional member of the family on the show. Yes,
0: our amazing, our amazing intern, Houston Watson, is joining us. Yeah, he's going to join us today. Hi, Houston. Hi,
2: Lizzie. Hi, Arden.
0: Hi. Hi. We we miss being in a physical space with you so much. Miss you guys no. too but here we are virtually it's amazing um and the reason why i mean not the reason why but houston came up with this amazing idea to do a biopic episode on marsha p johnson and so it just made sense that we all hop on a zoom yes talk about her and her amazing life legacy yeah.
1: all of it yeah and it It ties into what we were talking about. You know, we talked about the Civil Rights Act last week. Yeah. And now we can tie it all together with Pride Month and really, you know, talk about all of the issues, especially since today of all days, Lizzie, you guys, Houston, really, the pulse on the nose, the finger finger on the nose, the pulse, pulse of the public, pulse on SCOTUS, we're recording this, what, two hours after SCOTUS hours. ruled that gay and trans people can no longer just be fired for being gay and trans. Yeah, that they have civil rights. They hey, under civil the Civil Rights, rights Act the, that we cool. heard last the civil
0: week. Act. Yep, under Title VII so cool. of the Civil Rights Act. It's, it's insane. So cool. It's insane. I mean, yes, this is where like, you know, obviously it seems like a coordinated effort between us and SCOTUS. It's not. <laughs> but Although it, it, RBG
1: did call last night and was like, hey. Sonia
0: called me. RBG called you. Sonia yeah. was like, Lizzie, <laughs> honey, this you're going to freak out. <laughs> if you're not doing an episode on on trans rights, you should because it's yep. going to really line up for you. Yeah. And then I said, Sonia, I love you so much. And everything that you do is <laughs> makes me, you're the wind beneath my wings. And then she said,
1: Lizzie, stop crying. And I said, OK. And that was, you know, and then she hung up. And that's so funny. It was amazing. All all RBG said was she just told me to lift heavier. And I. Yes. She was okay. like,
0: Arden, your form. Not what Pad. it could be.
1: No, lift Not heavier. Not what it could be. Yeah.
0: But yeah, yeah. the SCOTUS, SCOTUS announced today a landmark decision. We're going to give just a couple of quick little Little things to chew on from that because it really does tie into Marsha and the work that she did um, and still inspires to do. But it was another one of those decisions where they combined cases. So the three cases that were combined for this decision were Bostock v. Clayton County, Altitude Express Inc. v. Zarda, and RG and GR Harris Funeral Homes v. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. So again, it's like it's like the gerrymandering situation where we have three cases,
1: and they're like, you know what? Let's wrap this into one. wrap them all together. They're all about the same thing. People being people. People being people being human. people. It's crazy.
0: So this little tidbit is coming from NPR via Nina Totenberg. And so she wrote, "The u S. Supreme Court ruled Monday today." That the 1964 Civil Rights Act, barring sex discrimination in the workplace, protects LGBTQ employees for being fired because of their sexual orientation. The vote was 6 to 3 with conservatives Chief Justice John Roberts and Neil Gorsuch joining the courts four liberal justices in the majority. Yeah. And yes. so, which we love, twinkles... To, to our to our
1: swinger, Roberts,
0: and who knows what's going on with Neil. Um, Thank you for
1: saying swingers in a court case about gays. Continue. Okay. Look. <laughs> Thank you. Well, you couldn't just, let that go by. Come on. I know.
0: I like it. you. This is why you're here. It's to call me out when I say things like that.
1: That was so good. That was so good. Amazing that Chief Justice John Roberts... Really, on this one, was like, I gotta be on the right side of history here. I spent all of the impeachment case, the impeachment hearing, just laying down, and now I'm really gonna, just, like, come back Yeah, really
0: hands-off in that. What's really... So, I started reading the... I read some of the opinion and some of the dissent, just to kind of get a grasp. It's 170 pages, but it moves. <laughs> and kind of iconically... Neil Gorsuch delivers the opinion of this, and Brett Kavanaugh delivers
1: the dissent. Oh, my God. Which I is, actually what was John up to? That's so, I mean, but it, giving, Gors- giving Gorsuch, actually, the opinion to write is really smart because then the conser- like, so. it's a conservative, the conservatives are really taking a stand as it were. And yes. I really, but more than like Gorsuch, Gorsuch's opinion. I want to read Kavanaugh's dissent. Well, I'm so glad you said that. Um,
0: so it. <laughs> <laughs> so I have two quotes here, and I'll oh. again, I've, I've, I've given a, I've given a preliminary skim to both, because the great thing about SCOTUS decisions and uh, opinions and dissents is that they pretty much say their argument at the top, and then spend the entire. Eighty pages below, supporting that argument.
1: Do you know what they went to really good colleges for a reason? That's what Yale does. That's That's what what Yale Yale does does. for you. They teach you how to write a paper. So Lizzie doesn't have
0: to read all one hundred and seventy-two pages in a two-hour span before she tops on a podcast. I can really get the top and the bottom, and then read the rest when I have the time. But so Neil Gorsuch, his the opinion i guess it's not just his but it's the reason why he's in the majority is because his argument is that when congress made the 1964 civil rights act and this specific section of it where it says you know you can't discriminate based on race religion uh blah, 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 sex you know like they don't mm-hmm. describe what sex is no like there's no it's it's a completely ambiguous word yeah and so when you think lit like when you take such a literal approach to it, which is sex, meaning like it's just it's sex. Sex can be, you know, male, female. So, like yeah. if you don't have the the descriptive framing words in there of like sex, man and woman, whatever, whatever, yeah. then you can't argue what isn't there, right? Which are those qualifying terms? So mm. our literal baby no, boy true. comes in and is like, literally, it's not here. Your argument's not here. They kept it vague. And this is the ramifications of it being vague. Which I'm like, Neil, go in. And then, of course, baby Kavanaugh comes in. And he's like, he takes the approach of, you know, the jud- judiciary shouldn't be legislating. Uh, which is basically like, Congress should be the one who's coming up with this legislation. Not us. us the court. But he has a really interesting quote at the end of his thing that I think is interesting, but let me, this is what Gorsuch says in the opinion, just kind of as like a soundbite. Yeah. So he writes, in Title Seven, Congress adopted broad language, making it illegal for an employer to rely on an employee's sex when deciding to fire that employee. We do not hesitate to recognize today a necessary consequence of that legislative choice. An employer who fires an individual merely for being gay or transgender defies the law. And I just, I mean, great. Yep. Yep. Then in the dissent that I found interesting, again, Kavanaugh spends the whole time basically making the argument that, honestly, John Roberts made in the gerrymandering case, which is we shouldn't be deciding this, punt it to Congress to make this decision. But yet now, that's literally what—that's the argument yeah. that Kavanaugh is making, is that—is that this is not us. Right. That it's—it's it's like Congress has in the past attempted to make legislation about this, and because of that, which I think is a f- kind of a fair argument, because Congress has attempted this legislation, you can assume that that means that in this act of the Civil Rights Act. That it wasn't – that wasn't included in it, like transgender protections, LGBTQ protections, because Congress has attempted to legislate. And I'm like, I hear you. Sit down. But anyways, what I found interesting, interesting. at the end of his thing, which I'm going to read, he makes this statement. So after supporting all of that, he says this. Notwithstanding my concern about the court's transgression of the Constitution's separation of powers – it is appropriate to acknowledge the important victory achieved today by gay and lesbian Americans. Millions of gay and lesbian Americans have worked hard for many decades to achieve equal treatment in fact and in law. They have exhibited extraordinary vision, tenacity and grit, battling often steep odds in the legislative and judicial arenas, not to mention their daily lives. They have advanced powerful policy arguments and can take pride in today's result. Under the Constitution's separation of powers, however, I believe that it was Congress's role, not this court's, to amend Title Seven. Therefore, I must respectfully dissent from the court's judgment. That's his final statement.
1: God, that's such bullshit.
0: I know, I'm just like, <laughs> Brett! <laughs> Brett, honey, you can't be like, look, I know how big this is. I still think it's wrong, but oh my god, <laughs> so big! so big this is the wrong decision the best for you my gays the gays they've worked so hard they've worked so hard and if i had it my way you wouldn't have won but you've worked so hard and i'm just like brett but it's it's yeah it's like such a spineless um thing to do if you would have put clarence thomas on this he would have been like this is not our job period no apology (laughs) yeah
1: that's what he would have said. No,
0: like, no, like, qualification.
1: No qualification, but I also feel like he's, if if your job is not to interpret the laws of Congress and say, you know, and, and to read a law that Congress has passed and to say it applies to you, it doesn't apply to you, it applies in this case, it doesn't apply in this case, what is your job? Like, what are you doing right. there?
0: Yeah, like, I, I to a thinking. certain extent,
1: I understand, I don't agree with, Chief Justice John Roberts saying, "You know, gerrymandering. The that's a you know, Congress has to tackle that first, right? Like it's a cop out. Like personally, I think it's a cop out. But there is a, an argument there to be said. Like we're, you know, what, what, how are we going to judge all of the laws across the fifty states? We could do that. Is that our job? But what, you know, whatever. But here you have a literal law of Congress." And their job is to interpret what that means. Right. Yeah. I, think, I do think it's important that it's a 6-3 decision and not-
0: Yes, 5-4. And
1: not 5-4 yeah. either way, you know?
0: Yeah. If it had been I, 5-4 yeah.
1: and it had been overturned- That would have- Yeah. That would have been
0: bad. <laughs> well, and you're also talking about, you know, not, what, three days ago, the Trump administration ruled, you know, t- took away- medical protections for transgender patients and it's like to have all of those things in a row it would have been it just i don't know i feel like this i agree with the court's decision not just because like i believe that you can't fire somebody because they're lgbtq or trans but because i think that the the opinion is correct and that they they didn't define what sex means
1: because Because they didn't need, you know, it's like, it's, this is, this is a win. (laughs) I mean, bless them back in 1964, they, I'm sure that's not what they meant it to apply to.
2: (laughs) No, (laughs) not even a little bit. It's not what
1: they meant.
0: Right. Interesting in reading um, the opinion, Gorsuch's opinion is one of the arguments that he makes that he's talking about that the, the folks who were trying to, you know, justify firing based on the people's sexual orientation preferences identities etc um they were arguing that the attorneys on their behalf were arguing that you know l- people like trans people like that wasn't really a thing in 1964 like so how could that how could that be what congress intended it to be if those people weren't there and gorsuch is in his opinion is like actually they were there and we can look directly at Marsha For those sorts of things. It's Mm -hmm. like that actually this community did exist. So you can't make that argument because they did exist and they were there. Did Congress mean for them to be the people that were also protected? We don't know. But because they were vague, that's a consequence. You know, and I don't like the word consequence, but he uses it a lot. I think uh, because he does mean it that it is a consequence is that you get to protect more people when you are as vague as just a word. And then he defines the word sex many times. I'm just like, oh, my God. (laughs) Neil. Woo! Anyways, guys, read the decision. Read it. Read the dissent. Make your own decision. But I feel like I just, I'm so glad we didn't, this episode would have been so, I would have been so upset going into this episode if this came a different way.
1: Yes. I also would have been, uh... (laughs) upset if we recorded this episode and then the the decision came out like tomorrow yeah like
0: i mean they've been taking their time with these like i mean i know they released them in june but i'm like mid-june guys i mean time's almost up here like let's
1: get them out i feel like this is usually when like this time this kind of stuff generally trickles out
0: yeah maybe just didn't gay marriage come like about now
1: it was, like, about now or, like, the third week of June that Gay Marriage came out.
0: Mm. Look, you I may think. be right. I just wanted it for a long time. I know. Okay. Right.
1: okay. Okay. I hear you.
0: So, with that said, with that monologue about the SCOTUS case said, let's jump in to Marsha. So I'm so excited. What, I know. I mean... It's, when did you guys learn about Marsha? Like, when did she come into your consciousness?
1: It's, I, when I saw her picture, I was like, oh, yes, I've heard of her before. I know who she is. But aside from that, I know very little about her. And so, yeah, I just, I was really, I, I'm just, I'm very excited to learn more about her life.
0: Yeah. Houston, what about you? When did you become aware of Marsha?
2: I think when I read Street Theater uh, by Mm Dork Wilson in a, Theater histories too, junior mm-hmm. year.
0: So you yeah. you learned her in school. Nice. Yeah,
2: well, college. Was
0: it primary or was it? Co- oh, it was college. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. We took a. Yeah. I'm a playwriting, screenwriting major, so I had to take theater histories, and one of the things we covered is different kind, like how theater affects different kind of communities, um, and like what that theater is about. And so for, uh, the late 1900s, we read, uh, Street Theater by Dork Wilson, which is about, uh, the Stonewall riots. Um. So
1: cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome.
2: Yeah, no, it was really cool. And it's one of my favorite plays, too, so.
0: Love that. I that's that was what was interesting to me about researching Marsha because for me, you know, it, it was a similar situation of it probably wasn't until college and it definitely wasn't in any educational setting. It was going to Pride and seeing it, it's like it's like you see her image first, you know, the famous image of her in the pink dress and the head and the headpiece, you know. Yeah. That's like the like the most famous picture of her and you see that everywhere, especially at Pride. So I remember seeing that first and then the information about her kind of came in like small pieces. I mean, obviously I know way more now after doing this research and I could say I've learned much more about her than I probably ever would. But it was also hard. You're going to see in these notes, there's so many sources. It was like piecing together her life um, from different sources um, Mm. because obviously you have like you know her early life. You have her activism. You have the the craziness surrounding her her death, um, and and then the legacy portion of it. And it's all like it was interesting seeing how a lot of well respected places that I cite on here they're all saying pretty much the same couple of sound bites about her. Um, and you see these 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 phrases, these descriptors about her a lot. Um, so she still, I feel like, even now remains this kind of like enigma figure, but is also at the same time so so like uh, such an image of of you know a, a LGBTQ trans civil rights movement, and is also not taught in any school setting <laughs> under college, yeah. Yeah. which is crazy to me that Marsha isn't even like mentioned when talking about you know civil rights and and lgbtq movements uh in an educational setting so that's a lot to say and i feel like i'm just gonna jump into her early life which is basically pre it's just a couple of facts about her um kind of before she really we really get into like Stonewall and and all that, which is where I feel like her profile takes off is after the Stonewall Stonewall riots. So, this uh, section of notes is coming from blackpass.org Washington and the Washington Post, Jillian Brockell. So, thank you to both of those. So, Marsha was the 5th of 7 children. She was born malcolm michaels jr to malcolm michaels senior and alberta michaels on august 24th 1945 in elizabeth new jersey just over the bridge she began this is one of the facts that you see all the time across news like you know research outlets is she began experimenting with women's clothing at age five but would stop due to teasing everything says that which i'm it's crazy then after graduating from Thomas A. Edison High School in 1963, Johnson moved to New York's Greenwich Village. She had $15 and a bag of clothes. Homeless, she turned to sex work to survive and soon found a like-minded community and the body nightlife of Christopher Street. This is all coming
1: from BlackPast.org. Love the phrase body nightlife. Oh my god. Right. I feel like now it's body, but like it's a different kind of body. It's different. I don't it's I, different. I don't think
0: there's any I don't think there's any part of New York that is even close to resembling what Christopher Street in the 60s no.
1: was. No. No, cuz even if you go to like Marie's Crisis, it's like <laughs> it's full of tish students singing Broadway. It's not. Right.
0: It's, it's not It's not
1: body. <laughs> It's not body. Oh, my God. (laughs) Antibody. It's annoying.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's annoying. That's what it is. It's annoying. Johnson switched names repeatedly as she established her persona, alternating between her given name, Malcolm, and Black Marsha before settling on Marsha P. Johnson. She chose Johnson because she enjoyed hanging out at a popular eatery, Howard Johnson's, and the P perfectly stand for pay it no mind, a flippant yes. saying she used to dismiss antagonists. Oh, yeah. God. Marsha Pay It No Mind Johnson. God, love it. I know. This next part, uh, this next fact is coming from the Washington Post, and I included it just to talk about how she identified herself, because it is would probably be different in these contexts, in today's context, because we have more words available. But this is what she... Described herself to be. The word transgender, which describes people whose gender identity does not correspond to their sex assigned at birth, was not used at the time. Johnson referred to herself using female pronouns she, her, and at times described herself as gay, a queen, a drag queen, and a transvestite. So just a little tidbit about how she saw herself, because I think now... Because we have more words available to us to describe humans and how they identify. It might be different, but that's what she identified herself as.
1: Or even like we use these words, I feel like, in a different way. Like Yeah. I don't I was watching, um, last a couple weeks ago I was watching Tu Wong Fu. It's a fantastic movie, if you haven't seen it. Tu Wong Fu, thanks for everything. It's Patrick Swayze and John Leguizamo and Wesley Snipes, and they're all they refer to them in the movie as drag queens except that they're they do drag but they also that's also how they live their life so they're like they don't they don't live as as men in the in the i mean that like the, it opens with them getting dressed but when they go they go on this road trip basically and they get stuck in a small town and it's about them bas- like being transgender except that that's not how they handle the situation and they they refer to themselves as drag queens and i mean it's a movie from the 90s so it's just interesting to see how these words have changed because that's not how like that's not how we would categorize that's not what we would use that term for now right i feel like a drag queen is very much somebody who like does drag
0: right well and there's also i mean there is like a, a little bit of tension between the drag community and the trans community. I mean, for I think, sure. yeah, You know, I think who RuPaul came out and, mm-hmm. and said th- that trans women aren't a part of the drag community and that it's, it's reserved for men who dress up as women, not men who identify as women, you know, um, mm-hmm. or ber- at birth men who, you know, are born at birth men. But, um, but yeah, so there is, so that's interesting, you know, cause I think, in this time of Marsha, there was such a fluidity between yeah. the two. And it was just, it was very much like the, 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 the communities weren't necessarily formed yet. They were just like, okay, you, you are, are like me. And that you don't, you, there's something different about how we feel, you right. know? And, um, and it was just, a, I think a more in, in that time, perhaps a little bit more accepting in that way. Although also I think that there was tension between, just like your your right not regular, but your LGBTs um, or your LGBs, I guess, and trans. Cause that'll I'll talk about it later. But yeah, there's no, tension there. That
1: was there's definitely a thing. I think there's still some tension there. I mean it's yeah. smaller. It gets smaller and smaller, but I think there's still right. tension there.
0: Right. We're gonna take a quick break for a little word from our sponsors.
2: And find out why over a million people
1: have fallen asleep to my voice.
0: Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. But Arden, tell us about the Stonewall Riots.
1: Oh my God. Okay, the 1969 Stonewall Riots. This is coming from History.com, BlackPast.org, and British Vogue. I'm so sorry.
0: Honey, I'm pulling quotes. I'm pulling quotes. That's what I'm saying. It's like it was like piecing together. Because you learn so much about these things and you're like, where can I find a source that backs up this thing I learned just like on the streets of New York, you know? So that's why it's kind of like, it's the same thing with Marsha. It's just like, I know, I know facts about her, her like death. Where can I find that in the written word from a substantiated source? Right. (laughs) But yeah, sure. Enjoy British Vogue. I think it's like one quote from British Vogue, so Oh my god, let's I'm so go. excited.
1: Okay. <laughs> uh so from history.com, the Stonewall riots, also known as the Stonewall Uprising, began in the early hours of June 28th, 1969, when New York City police raided the Stonewall Inn, a gay club located in Greenwich Village in New York City. The raid sparked a riot among bar patrons and neighborhood residents as police roughly hauled employees and patrons out of the bar leading to six days of protests and violent clashes with law enforcement outside the bar on Christopher Street, in neighboring streets, and a neighbor- in a nearby Christopher Park. At the time, New York City was not giving liquor licenses to gay bars and clubs, and that is what allowed the police to enter Stonewall without a warrant. Just a little aside. Which, a little you aside. You've been to Stonewall? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, it. Oh, well.
2: I've been in front of it, but I haven't, like, seen it. I went to a uh, Pride uh, march two or three years ago, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And we marched past the bar. And it's pretty cool. Like, nice. It's cool it's to really, see.
1: Yeah, it's really cool. Inside, it feels like... I mean, it like being inside, it does kind of make you travel back in time. Because you're like, yeah. oh, this is... It's, like, dark and small... It's so it's,
0: small. That's what... It's, it's like, so small. It's ti- Even from the outside, it's like, oh, my God. Yeah. It's, it's and, you, and then you just... You think about, like, how... It was such an oasis to this community. They wanted this small piece of space. Yeah. You know? And it was so violated. This tiny bar that was theirs.
1: Yeah. It's anyway. uh small... And covered in, I mean, you walk in and it's like you take a breath and you're like, okay, I am intoxicated now. It's so it's like <laughs> covered in every kind of alcohol and I'm sure bodily fluid there's absolutely possible. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> it is a gay bar. During the riots, Marcia P. Johnson became one of the faces of the queer revolution. She went from her own party uptown to the Stonewall Inn on the corner of Christopher Street and 7th Avenue. Arriving after the Stonewall riot uprising had begun. This is uh, also from blackpast.org. She's often given credit that she threw the first brick at the riots. However, this has been proven to be untrue. However, it doesn't diminish her role in these riots.
0: Yeah, there's for some reason people like argue about this. of If she was the first person to make it, you know, to to riot. And in actuality, she probably wasn't the first person to, like, throw a brick, which is... it's For some reason, it's a brick, you know, or yeah. a shot glass, like, that's you know, to throw something. Right. But she was definitely, according to the research that I've done, one of the first, if not the first people to resist the police officers. And mm. basically, from day one, through all of these riots, was there leading the charge. So... I just wanted to include that because I feel like when people argue the point of if she was the first person to throw the brick or not, it's like we're trying to argue like, oh, well, was she as significant as we're making her out to be? And it's like, yes, yes. She could have thrown the third brick and it would have been great. (laughs) It doesn't matter. It would be great. I feel like the first 10 bricks. Right. Legacy. (laughs) Legacy. Let's not nitpick here. She was there at the beginning of it.
2: Yeah, and she was important to yep. everyone else.
0: Yeah, everybody rallied behind her.
1: Yeah, she was and a I'm leader. Like, so it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't matter really I guess how she claimed the leadership role. Right. Just that she was a leader. Right. According to Johnson, the police had forced her and others out onto the street to line up and be frisked the night before. They were
0: they were fighting against police brutality of their community. That's what it was.
1: Yeah, You know, everything we're
0: seeing right now, it's like it's almost like it's like holding a mirror up to the Stonewall riots. They were the first ones to really not the first ones, but this was what in New York this riot was really about was the brutality that the police were committing on this community constantly.
2: Yeah. And they well, I read this in the play, but they would pose as people who are looking to hook up. And then arrest gay people in, like, bathrooms and bars, and they had to, like, meet a quota. Um, and it's just, it's really bad.
1: Yeah. 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 No, it's definitely, yeah, I mean, I think that's why, it's it's interesting to me that the Stonewall I mean, that's what they're known for, is the Stonewall Riots were riots uh, against the police. Um yeah. And it's interesting to me now that we have such a – like, now Stonewall Inn is, like, a – it's a national landmark. You know, there was a big unveiling of, like, the senators and, you know, like – and it's interesting to me that something that, I mean, like, she could have never imagined. No. Like, whether she threw the first brick or not, like, that, you know, fighting against the police in this moment – that later a that she would be elevated and b that the Stonewall Inn would be a place of it would be like a mecca
0: right well you and know? also you know we'll talk about this a little bit later and sort of like what the legacy of Marsha is is that even after i mean there was sort of a we'll talk about it the the gay rights movement and the lgbtq movement like begins after stonewall but really like for personally marsha it's not it's not like marsha suddenly is like a well respected activist she's right. still you know hustling and and still having to do sex work to survive so it's 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 not like there was this it. i don't think at any point in her life really i mean maybe a little bit towards the end did she see any kindness from what she went through yeah you know Um, And, of course, now we'll talk about the things that are being done now to honor her. Like, that, I mean, I I imagine it would be insane considering how people were treating her at the time of her death. So,
1: keep going. 23-year-old Johnson and her friend Silvia Rivera were caught up in the Stonewall uprisings, which went on for several days and is credited as the catalyst for the gay movement of the late 1960s.
0: Yeah, Silvia Rivera, everybody should... Also, research her. Her and Marcia are credited as like the beginners of this movement. Not to be missed. Not to
1: be missed. The uprising spawned the first gay pride marches across the country in 1970. In the same year, Johnson and Rivera founded Street Transvestite Action Revolutionaries, also known as STAR. God mm-hmm. bless. Mm-hmm. What an acronym. Love that acronym. It's so good. <laughs> and so, like, like it just makes you feel like it's a star. It's shiny. It's bright. It's yeah. like it just feels very. It's a good name, pride esque. You know, it just feels yeah. very pride esque. Star clothed, fed, housed, and advocated for transgender youth from a tenement on the Lower East Side.
0: They were twenty-four years old when they established this, or at least Marsha was twenty-four years old. That's crazy. When they did this, she was twenty-three during Stonewall. What are we doing?
1: <laughs> Sorry. Keep going. I keep interrupting you. I just am. Um, yes. No, it's okay. It's okay. Say mm-hmm. your piece. While being interviewed for a book in 1972, Johnson said her ambition was, quote, to see gay people liberated and free and to have equal rights that other people have in America, close quote, with her, quote, gay brothers and sisters out of jail and on the streets again, close quote. from That's from British Vogue. Yay. Yeah. In 1972, as the face of the resistance, Johnson performed around the world with the popular drag theater company Hot Peaches. Oh my god, what a name. Yeah, yeah oh, it's amazing. That's so good. Andy Warhol featured her in a 1975 screen print portfolio of drag queens and transgender merrymakers at the nightclub Gilded Grape.
0: So that's when Andy Warhol did his his piece, this piece that we that we're talking about. That's kind of what put her, like, that's what, like, really catapulted her into being a, a widely known face of this movement. Because mm-hmm. you have Andy Warhol, who, you know, at this point, anything he does, everybody's like, oh, my God, a can of soup. Who knew? You know. <laughs> um, Art. <Arch. laughs> so, um, yeah, that that's when you really start seeing Marsha's... Uh, sort of national and even international notoriety really start to to soar.
1: Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's that Stonewall. Houston, you want to tell us about the activism that happened?
2: Yeah. So this section is coming from NSWP.org and actupnewyork.com. Okay. So street transvestite action revolutionaries. Star started <laughs> yeah following in a sit-in at Weinstein's Hall in New York University in 1970. The sit-in was to protest school administrators cancelling a dance because it was sponsored by a gay organization. The sit-in brought together many gay groups including Gay Liberation Front and Radical Lesbian. They were successful in regaining the venue for the dance. Sylvia and Marsha saw that the needs of street youth and transgender youth were not being taken into account by a- other early gay groups. They founded STAR to fill this gap.
0: So this is what they founded after the riots. They founded STAR. They founded STAR. So this is, yeah, this is so. This is just what STAR is. I was like, well, if you're gonna, f- if they found something. Let's learn about what it is. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I didn't know so... anything about this. Yeah, me either. Me either. No either. No nobody teaches us. Nobody teaches us anything these days. Well,
2: oh, that's what we're here for. Anyway. That's
0: what we're here for. That's what we're here for. <laughs> we're we're trying our best.
2: So a Star opened their first Star House in a park trailer truck in a Greenwich Village parking lot later that year. It functioned as a shelter and social space for trans sex workers and other LGBT street youth. However, the pair arrived one day to find the trailer was being towed, with as many as 20 youths still sleeping inside.
1: Oh my god. Yeah. That's terrible. Oh
2: yeah. Uh, This experience made them decide to find a more permanent home for Star House. So, Sylvia and Marsha pay the rent on the building by doing street sex work at night. They hoped to use the top floor of the building to teach the youth how to read and write during the daytime.
0: So, like, imagine, imagine these two women are going and, and selling their bodies so that they can pay for a building for transgendered youth to live in and also hopefully teach them how to read and write. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Like, it's unreal what these two women did.
2: Wow. Star House was many firsts. It was the first LGBT youth center in North America. It was the first trans woman of color-led organization in the USA. And it was the first trans sex worker labor organization. Star later expanded to other cities before eventually collapsing in the mid-1970s. It has recently been revived in New York City.
0: So that's Star... And the next one we're going to talk about, or that Houston's going to read about, um, is not one that Marsha founded, but that she was really active in, in sort of the later years of her life. So, just a little preface on that, but go ahead, Houston.
2: So, AIDS Coalition to Unleash Power, or ACT UP. ACT UP was formed in response to social neglect, government negligence, and the complacency of the medical establishment during the 1980s. Soon, it found itself needing to fight corporate greed, lack of solidarity, and various forms of stigma and discrimination at home and abroad. ACT UP fights for sustained investment in research and new medicines and treatments for HIV, AIDS, and related co-infections. Equitable access to prevention and care for HIV/AIDS and healthcare in general, tackling the structural drivers of HIV/AIDS epidemic, such as stigma, discrimination, and poverty. Marshall was an early member of ACT UP, and in 1992 announced that she had been HIV positive since
0: 1990. Wow, yeah. So the, what everything that Houston just read about um, ACT UP or the AIDS Coalition to Unleash Power? This is all from their website. The first bit is their mission statement. And then the second bit was obviously what ACT UP stands for. Still an organization that exists today. Please check it out. Donate. Support it. Um, But, yeah. I mean, as far as when it goes, when it comes to talk about Marcia's activism, it definitely extends to the AIDS epidemic. Yep. Because that's just what she did. so I just wanted to, it's hard, like, I don't. It's hard to talk about Marsha without talking about her death and the circumstances surrounding that. So I wanted to just give a quick little section to it, although I do want the focus more to be what she did during her life, because I think that is what really keeps us going. Um, but it's also, you know, she was she died because of who she was, and that has to be acknowledged as well. So this next section about her death is again coming from blackpast.org as well as biography.com and NBC News. So on July 6, 1994, 6 days after being reported missing, Johnson was found drowned in the Hudson River off the West Village piers. She was 46 years old. The police ruled that she had committed suicide despite claims from her friends and other members of the local community saying that she was not suicidal 25 years later victoria cruz a crime victim advocate of the new york city anti-violence project reopened the case so one of the things about this was that she had a a wound on her head and the cops were like suicide done right and they made that decision so quickly and what this is covered really extensively in the Netflix documentary, The Death and Life of Marsha P. Johnson, which everybody should watch. But it's, there are so many, there, it was such a quick decision to be suicide when there was little to no forensic evidence to support this. And so, continuing on with the notes, the ruling was changed from suicide to undetermined in 2002. And 10 years later... The case was reopened as a possible homicide and remains open. So, Marsha's death has not been solved. I believe the, I think very recently, the the police commissioner apologized for the handling of the case. Of course, this was like in 2018 or 2019. And I'm like, honey, (laughs) this was in 1994.
2: Yeah, it's a little late for that.
0: Apologizing now? Now, what about in 2002? (laughs) (laughs) like you like you obviously acknowledged the mistake in 2002 right hun anyways so wow again it was kind of like so recent it is so recent um and it's you know when you talk about like right now we have such a an epidemic of you know young predominantly black trans members of, of our community being murdered and those murders going unsolved—it's—it's it's been happening for so long, you know.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, it's definitely happened before Marsha, but Marsha, I think, was her death was one of the first big, big noto- like ones that had notoriety
1: because of who she was. Because of who
0: she was, because she status. was known. She was
1: a known person, right. yeah.
0: And she was she was murdered, you know. Yep. Possibly, air quotes from the from the nypd so that is that is her death
1: but let's move on and talk about her legacy okay this is coming from the marsha p johnson institute newyorkcity.gov and new york parks the mission statement of the marsha p johnson institute this is what it is here's their mission statement the marsha p johnson institute protects and defends the human rights of black transgender people we do this by organizing advocating creating an intentional community to heal developing transformative leadership, and protecting our collective power. We intend to reclaim Marsha P. Johnson and our relationship as Black trans people to her life and legacy. It is in our reclaiming of Marsha that we give ourselves permission to reclaim autonomy to our minds, to our bodies, and to our futures. We were founded both as a response to the murders of Black trans women and women of color, and how that is connected to our exclusion from social justice issues, namely racial, gender, and reproductive justice, as well as gun violence.
0: So this institute was created only a couple of years ago, and this is their mission statement, obviously. And if you are interested, you can go to p.org to learn more, to donate. They definitely need our help. They were There was a huge rally yesterday in front of the Brooklyn Museum, and the Marsha P. Johnson Institute was one of the many uh, co-organizers of that event and it was like 15,000 people. Amazing work. So that's that's that. Houston, you want to tell us about the monument? So, in
2: 2019, it was announced the next she built NYC monument will honor pioneering transgender activists Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera, key leaders in the Stonewall uprising that sparked the gay liberation movement and the modern fight for LGBTQ rights in the U.S. The proposed location for the monument is in Ruth Winterberg Triangle, a prominent public space in the heart of neighborhood landmarks that were essential to LGBTQ history and advocacy, including the Stonewall Inn and St. Vincent's Hospital.
0: And I think the monument is supposed to go up in 2021, although I don't know how coronavirus will play into that. Yeah. And then finally, we have Marsha P. Johnson Park, which was formerly the East River State Park. And this is so recent. So on February 1st, 2020, not a few months ago, Governor Cuomo renamed the park in honor of Marsha P. Johnson, a transgender woman of color who was a pioneer in the LGBTQ civil rights movement and a prominent figure in the Stonewall Uprising. And so you can visit New York Parks. Um, is it New NewYorkParks.org? Let me see. It's probably and York.gov. And you can find details about the park, where it is. And it's just, you know, it's a park and it's her park. But again, it's, you know, these two things happened within the last year. You know. Yeah. And, and it's, it's been a slow, it's, I feel like it's been a slow response from legislators and officials alike to recognize and honor the work and this huge sacrifice that not only she, but also Silvia Rivera and the other brave humans who were a part of this movement, you know, that got us to a place where the Supreme Court of the United States is like, I see you, you don't, you shouldn't be discriminated against you know. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah. and that's
1: Marsha. I feel inspired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like somebody, I feel like, like Sarah Koenig now needs to tackle the the murder of Marsha P. Johnson. I feel like that's the next, you know what I mean? Like somebody, Yeah. somebody needs, somebody big needs to get on that and push them to solve that.
0: It's really interesting that like There hasn't been. I mean, the the documentary that I mentioned, The Death and Life of Marsha P. Johnson, was the the only place I could find a lot of information of the details surrounding her death. Mm -hmm. I mean, but as far as, like, new, like, you know, the research places that we go to, the places that I listed here, it's always just this very brief little paragraph. It's like the same thing. It's like she was found... I drowned in the river, the police determined it was a suicide. People said no, and now it's reopened. Those are, like, the only things that are said. But you don't really see this expanded, you know, Like, investigative look. journalism Investigate about yeah. it.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, I'm sure they're out there, but it's it was really hard to find, you know? It's not, like, I looked. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, I'm having to piece together. So, like, you know I love true crime. Yeah like oh, you yeah. know, I'm all
1: about it. I know where I know where to look. But as far as somebody like taking this, go ahead, I feel like this should be your um your unemployment project to solve the murder of Marcia P. Johnson. Do it. Write the podcast
0: about it. Oh my god, can you imagine?
2: <laughs> it would be big.
0: Yeah. That would be that would be a, that would be great. I would love that. I would love I mean it's like yeah, let's solve it. There's yeah. a whole lot of interesting theories surrounding what could have happened. But um, but for more of that, go watch the documentary because you should. Mm. Um, yeah, it's it's such a – I mean, obviously, it's such a visceral time in, in what's happening right now. And I think just to see what an impact Marsha has, and I feel like continues to have and it grows the impact that she has, Yeah, is is really inspiring. And I hope we get to a point where – She's in the textbooks because she should be.
2: Yeah, that would be great. That would be, you know, cause
0: like you just can't deny what happened.
2: They don't really have any LGBTQ history in textbooks. I learned most of it from that theater class. Um, yeah, and it really should be.
1: There should be. There should be a whole unit.
0: Yes. Yeah. That honestly, <laughs> if 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 I could just be allowed to redesign. America's education system I think we would be in such a better place we, because we, you know we, what I di- I learned how to dissect a cat but I didn't learn about Marsha P. Johnson that's insane that's insane Then that really, I they learned how it? to open up a cat <laughs> a cat they'd in rather us become rate. serial
1: killers they'd rather us become serial killers than gay
0: yeah oh yeah I mean they had serial killers in the Bible.
1: <laughs> yes they did. <laughs> yes they did. They
2: must be good if they're in the Bible.
1: That's true.
0: <laughs> but oh, um but that's our episode for today. Uh we are obviously continuing on, you know, putting out episodes that are looking at the issue of civil rights, human rights, all of those things. So, we will continue doing that. It's also Pride Month. So, obviously, happy Pride Month. And, you know, we love you. Houston, thank you for joining us today. Yes. Thank you for having me.
2: It was great. I love talking about Marsha. So
0: I mean, it's yeah, so Marsha's just the best. Marsha's the best to talk about. And we love talking with you because you are the wind beneath our wings, for sure. But Mm -hmm. guys, you know that we love you so, so much. If you like what you heard, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Get Civical. You can rate us. You can review us. You can subscribe to us. We love you so, so much. And we will see you next Wednesday. Goodbye. Bye.